Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Hey everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I'm your host, and I'm way out of my league in the conversation I'm going to have today. <laughs> That's actually not unusual for an equip cast because we have so many awesome guests. But today I'm going to get uh, a chance to talk to uh, Teresa Kenny, nurse practitioner, host of the Hormone Genius podcast. And if there's like an opposite of Hormone Genius, that would be me. Um, Teresa, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jim, for having me. I feel like that's not true. You've got a wife. You've got to be a hormone genius. I mean, I see hormones in, I, yeah, I live with three women four, my wife and uh, three daughters or four women, but I, yeah, it's a different, not, not from the inside. It's a different thing. Teresa, I'm so excited to, to talk to you today. I love your work and I love the example it is of a person of faith intersecting their faith and their profession. So we kind of, we, we always start the same way. We, we give people on the podcast an opportunity to talk about their journey of faith. So just tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Grew up in an awesome family, one of six siblings. And um, my mom was was very Catholic. My dad is a convert being a Presbyterian. And when I was 16, actually not even quite, I was just turning 16. My parents decided to send me to Medjugorje, Yugoslavia. And for those of you- By yourself? Pretty much. Okay. What did you do? (laughs) <laughs> well, I went on a pilgrimage. No, I'm with... kidding. It wasn't banishment, right? It was just like... <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't banishment. Um, my my mother had gone, uh, I think in the last year and a half before that, it was very incredibly inspiring to her. And there was a spot on the same pilgrimage that she had gone the year before that opened up and they called her and said, hey, we have this spot. Do you know of anybody who would want to go? And they, I think my mom just knew I was someone who was at least open to faith, even as a young child. And she thought, I'll send Teresa. And so I go wow. on this pilgrimage by myself with this group of people, wonderful people. But you were young, you were youngest by quite a bit. Yeah, I was youngest by, I was the young, young one for sure. Uh, I think the next one up was in her twenties and yeah. So it was, but it was an incredible experience. And what I always say is uh, if anybody and everybody could go on a pilgrimage where like you go outside of your faith to see how faith is lived mm. somewhere across the world, the same way that your faith is lived right where you're at. You know, that experience grounded me in who I was and being Catholic. And I think from that point on, I just became someone who just decided faith was always going to be important to me. And so through high school, through college, I became a nurse. Um, that was just natural to me to want to care for people And I decided after finishing my nursing education that I didn't have anything else to do, but continue to educate myself. So I came back to Omaha and I'm like, what can I do? I want to continue my education. So I'll I'll become a nurse practitioner. And I I was very pro-life and I had stood at abortion clinics with my mother all through really high school. So I was very aware that this thing of abortion was hurting women, hurting babies, but hurting women. And I thought, I'll be a woman's health nurse practitioner. That seemed logical to me at the time. Not really understanding the full kind of picture of what it was going to be like to have to practice in women's health, being as Catholic as I was and having the values that I did. 
And so then it unfolded to being at University of Nebraska Medical Center and realizing, oh, nurse practitioners in women's health prescribe birth control for everything. And like, now mm-hmm. what do I do? How am I going to live out my faith? How am I going to live out what I, my profession is and stay true to who I am? So I happened to find a wonderful doctor practicing in Lincoln who showed me the way or introduced me to what was an alternative to women's health and a way that I could practice and live out my faith and practice good medicine too. And that's where NAPRO technology and Dr. Hilders and the work that the Institute in Omaha, Nebraska became familiar to me. And after I graduated my nurse practitioner school, I wrote Dr. Hilders a letter and said, hey, I'm a nurse practitioner. I think who I am fits with your organization. Would you ever want to hire a nurse practitioner? And he called me in and you could say the rest is history, you know, from that standpoint. So I worked with Dr. Hilders for 20 years and I just finished up my time with him. And now I work at a clinic called Sancta Familia Medical in Omaha, Nebraska. And I've had 20, you know, almost 21 years of practicing women's health in a very unique and very holistic way and a way that people really are drawn to, not just for religion, but drawn to because they know that there's a truth of the genius and the design of women that is being respected yeah. in the way that we practice medicine and the way we do it. I love that. I mean, we, we started with a pilgrimage and I'm presuming, right? It was in many ways, the, the witness of Catholics across the world that helps inspire your own faith. And then this, this journey um, for those, I think many of our listeners understand the, the context but give people a little bit about, I mean, you've alluded to it, but just the, the landscape of the culture in women's health right now. Um, I mean, again, you alluded to it. It is a little bit uh, hostile to, to those mm-hmm. with, with Catholic faith. Give people a picture of, of what the landscape is like. Yeah, I mean, the landscape is, it's first and foremost that women don't really understand their bodies very well. And, and that's, mm-hmm you know, that's just, we don't educate women in the natural design of like their fertility and understanding how it works. Then in medicine, what we have is a a landscape of what we call suppressive medication to treat women's health issues. So when I was in nurse practitioner school, Mm -hmm. every time we'd learn about a different condition, whether it be like painful periods or an ovarian cyst or premenstrual syndrome, acne, Whenever we got to the point where we talked about what the treatment was going to be for it in women's health, it was always oral contraceptive pills. Mm. And even now that's 25 years ago, I would kind of wonder to myself, that seems weird. We use birth control to treat everything. And I hadn't even formed my own thoughts around what birth control was from that standpoint. But I'd be the one that raised my hand and be like, well, what if they don't want to go on that birth control? You know, then what? And no one had an answer for me. No one was like, well, you know, you can do this other thing. Yeah, or, so, or what's really going on? Like, why? Right. <laughs> why is her menstrual cycle painful? <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Well, and then you know, women don't even know how birth control works. So when a doctor gives them that prescription, they don't realize what they're taking is a very much like shutting down their own reproductive system instead of, like you said, looking for the underlying root cause and trying to correct what's wrong in the reproductive system. We use a medicine to basically shut down the reproductive system. So I often say like, we don't do that with any other system in the body. Like if your lungs aren't working right, we don't give you a medicine to shut down your lungs, right? That'd be problematic. Or if your stomach is upset, we don't give you something that shuts down its function. 
you know, again, in medicine, the goal should be to try to restore, you know, what's not functioning correctly, but that's not what has happened in women's health. And it's, it's complicated because of birth control being needed for family planning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people have a desire to control the amount of ch children that they want and, and have that ability to know when they're going to have a child and not have a child. So when the birth control pill became very readily available in 1950s, uh, for that reason, it also then just became easy to use it as a panacea for everything else mm -hmm. because of the way it works in the woman's body. So in that women just forget like what their natural design is. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of how I practice is it reminds women, oh, you remember you were made good. Remember you were made right to begin with. And how yeah. can we get back to understanding that? So you've, as you've stepped into this space, you're definitely stepping into this space as, as a woman of faith. But you, you said something to the effect of people are attracted to the way you're caring for women and the way you're speaking about women's health even when they're not coming from a perspective of faith, because it resonates as, as true. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, you know how hard it is, Jim, in ministry, like when you're trying to reach people, not already in your choir, you know, mm -hmm. like we're not going to go and we're not beating Jesus over their head. You know, you're, you're trying to reach them on truths that bring them in are common things that we can all agree on. Yeah. And what I found early on in my own practice of my faith and in, and in my own profession is that the truths around what we believe in the Catholic Church and human sexuality, these deep truths, they mirror so carefully and closely with women's health and how we approach it mm -hmm. that I was able to, instead of like talking to a group of people and being like, well, contraception is wrong because the church teaches it to be wrong. I can actually kind of come through a back door of women's health and allow them to see the truth that why would we want to change the, again or put something into our body that is synthetic or chemical and that speaks to them. And then you can, I don't know, you can, you can gently guide them the whole rest of the way. So it's where you yeah. can meet someone at in their journey. If, because if someone's been hurt, like a woman it's been on birth control since she was 15 and now she can't get pregnant. Yeah. And she's wondering to herself, did, did I just hurt my own fertility? Cause I took birth control for 15 years. Well, let's at, let's talk about that. You know, that's where yeah. she's at, where I can meet her. But the central truths of our human sexuality, the deepest truths of who we are, are in that question that she's asking herself, will I ever be able to have a baby? Yeah. That's the, her identity as a human person. Will I ever be able to, have that love and life that God gave us that really mirrors who we are as being made in the image and likeness of God, right? That yeah. theology of the body is right there in that question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like we're in, we're in deep waters. It's true. And there is something about, I mean, I think this is probably my sense is it's, it, it often comes up in a medical context because there's a vulnerability, there's a, there's a trust and so these conversations often come up, I, I would guess, in a medical context, but particularly then unique teaching, again, to many people in the world, crazy teaching of the Catholic Church on fertility and sexuality and what we are made for. Those things have, those actually provided an inroad of a conversation. And it's, it's their desire for health and healing that actually ends up what leading them to the church and boy, and nobody would, nobody would have thought that was going to work. Yeah. If you ever shop at whole foods, 
there's this weird thing. It's like you've got homeschooling Christian moms of 10 and green party, you know, mm-hmm. singles that are walking down the aisles together because they're like, mm-hmm. well, the world's messed up and it's kind of screwed up our food too. And so I want organic stuff. And there's like this strange mix of folks. And it's like, you found that space where there's this intersection. Yeah. Can you tell us a few stories about unlikely patience or conversations? I mean, I'm sure they're just like all over your practice. Oh, yeah. I mean, and especially actually since the podcast has started, I'm so grateful because now, you know, again, people would come to me. Most of the people that come to me, they're already like seeking out what I have. Yeah. But to have people that listen to my podcast and then want to seek out what I have, not knowing my fullness, you know, of who I am and where I come from, that's when it gets super exciting and, and scary, scary too. Right, because, you know, I have people that have been completely not philosophically on the same page with me, or they just haven't had the opportunity to receive, you know, the gift of truth in that way. And it's an exciting thing to be able to like meet them there. I mean, I've had uh, just today, a young woman came in and had surgery with a doctor that had told her she had had endometriosis. And at the end of it, you know, and I had no idea. I mean, she, I thought she was just coming to me for like a second opinion. At the end of it, I said something about, Hey, you know, I happen to have this podcast. I said, you know, here, you might want to listen to it. She's like, I've listened to every single one. Mm. She already like, she's like, I tell every single person to listen to it. And she said, and this is what I'm finding the most about the podcast. I mean, I'm not the hormone genius. The whole mission of the hormone genius is that we want to make women the genius of their own hormones. Yeah. And so we're providing this this platform that just didn't exist before. I'm not saying things that, I mean, a thousand other people haven't said. Right. Uh, Well, we're just finally found a a space for it. But when you say, okay, a a woman will like have a conversation with a friend. The friend, oh, I'm on birth control because I had really painful periods for, you know, my whole life. I, I can't go off of it. And the friend's thinking, gosh, I really wish I knew what to say to her. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, if she thinks maybe birth control is the wrong thing for her friend, she's like, what do I say to her? I don't want to offend her. I don't know how to approach this. It's always sensitive around these issues around birth control. Right. Yeah. Yep. And what the, the podcast allows is for, hey, you know what? I listened to this podcast and there's this episode about endometriosis. I really think it would be interesting for you to listen to it and maybe listen to it and get back to me and what you think. It frees us up to begin conversations that are either seemingly too awkward or too technical for us to initially step into. Yeah. So that's, that's beautiful. I can tell you another story. This is a great one. This, this young woman came in to see me in the last month and she came in and I sat down and she's like, well, listen, she's like, my mom is a total fangirl of your podcast. She made (laughs) me come to see you. And I was like, great, you know, like, what can I help just you with? Just that sentence alone, my mom's a fangirl. Sorry, go yeah. on. I just like, that's great. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Um, and so she's telling me just, you know, maybe about her concerns, um, but she happens to be in a, a relationship with a, a man that she's living with and they're sexually active, not married. And it's just Holy Spirit moments. Because again, you you don't know where people are at in terms of even wanting to talk about these things, but we just slowly started to talk about her relationship with him and what sex means Mm -hmm. and how sex is tied to this thing called making babies and how powerful it is. And like, as this conversation, I mean, literally it went on for like, you know, a half hour of just talking about sex and what it means 
outside of just, hey, I do this thing with this person that I really think I love. And we just, you know, we haven't really got past that point of anything else. Because that's kind of where the culture gets stuck in. It's just, I don't know, we just don't think past a certain point. Yeah. And, you know, and she just sat there at the end and she was like, wow, that's really great. I'm going to think about all that. You know, not like I had changed her mind on anything, but like for the first time in her life, someone posed a question to her. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about what this thing is that you're doing with this person and what it means for you. That's awesome. I mean, I love it. We, now we've just, I want to give the listeners just a little bit more context. We mentioned again, the podcast hormone genius and you know, the goal is to, you're like, I'm not the hormone genius. I'm trying, (laughs) trying to help women, right. Be themselves kind of master and really to be able to understand and appreciate their bodies. Talk a little bit about the kind of topics that you've covered and what kind of response you're getting. So again, we started the the Hormone Genius podcast a year ago. So season one, we just completed. We have 33 episodes in season one, which I think is great because I always think, even in my email address, there's a 33. Do you know why? No, I'm I'm. It's Jesus. Jesus, you know, like he died in his 33. Sorry, I was just testing you, Jim. So we have 33 episodes. We just launched season two mm-hmm. and I have a co-host. So I'm not doing this alone. I have a young woman named Jamie. Rachi, I say young woman because she's younger than I am. <laughs> she's a, a, lo- a lovely person who's, I say like, I'm the salt and she's the pepper. I'm the introvert. She's the extrovert. Yeah, She's super like spunky and I'm dry and sarcastic. So yeah, you guys have a great dynamic. It's very fun to listen to. Thank you. Yeah. So, and I met her at a conference and no joke. I met her one time. We spoke for probably an hour and I didn't think about it much. I just emailed her and said, hey, do you want to do a podcast with me? For some reason, I just kind of knew she was the right person to do it with me. And she, I knew she was well-spoken and passionate. So Jamie and I started this a year ago. And when we started it, we thought our focus group, and, and we actually created a focus group and several focus missionaries were in that focus group. So we took mm-hmm. Catholic focus missionaries and then a bunch of other college girls because we wanted our group target group to be kind of the later 20s to even the early 30s, Mm -hmm. just because we know that's where women are really starting to kind of like ask the question. Again, every woman asked herself, will I have a baby someday? Who, you know, what will that look like? That's in their heart, whether they're, they know it or not. And we just wanted that to be our target group. So we actually asked them, what do you guys want to know about? And we pulled a bunch of ideas out of that and um, just kind of launched and went with it. Um, but our goal first and foremost was to educate on the cycle. So again, mm-hmm. I always say self-awareness, body awareness, who you are, identity made as a daughter and image and likeness of God starts with actually understanding biologically how you work. Yeah. And because love and life, human sexuality is tied to the deepest truths of who we are to understand your fertility and how it works is way more truthful in so many ways and brings out so much than if you just understood any other part of your body. So yeah, foundation and fertility and understanding the cycle. Then two, understanding the cycle is a vital sign of health. Yeah. Every single woman has been impacted in some way by some menstrual cycle issue, mm-hmm. some concern that they had that, you know, in their body about how their hormones are affecting them. So seeing that If I track my cycle, that's a vital sign to my health, just like my pulses or my respirations, all of those things. And then, you know, we wanted to just have fun and talk about things that are relate to people and then bring in guests also 
that we knew could be experts in this area yeah. to share on different topics topics at well. But the foundation in education is most important. So I often go back and tell people, listen to this one. If you don't know anything else about your cycle, go back and listen to these kind of introductory episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, what I hear you saying is just in general, it's good for us to, to understand our bodies, but there's something special about our fertility and our sexuality that oh, would be great if we understood the circulatory system, but there's something even more telling about who we are as people as we think about our our sexuality and our and our fertility. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. Like it, the question I just feel like is there, it's always there. Will you love me? Yeah. You know, will I be loved? Will anybody love me? You know, and I and I work mostly with women. So do I hear that in their voice all the time? Will anybody love me? Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you are able to kind of deep dive into hormones, I feel like we can talk about that stuff. Yeah. It's just so cool. And in many ways, the darkness, the kind of ignorance that is over so many young women not understanding their body, even over, as you talked earlier about your experience in nursing school, kind of darkness over, over the, the, the medical community kind of understanding, that has made the light shine even more brightly. And it's become this unlikely in the darkness, this unlikely entry point for the gospel. Yes. And, and like you mentioned about being in Whole Foods, it's the unlikely entry point right there for all people because yeah. the truth of naturalness that's out there. I mean, like people don't want to inject themselves with pesticides and hormones and antibiotics and things like that. That That is across the board. I think most people are like, gosh, if I could choose to be more natural and organic, I yeah. would choose that. Yeah. And so that kind of that bringing to light that that's what people desire. I always say, you know, that the landscape of health will not change because doctors change. Mm-hmm. The landscape of health and women's health in particular will change because the market will drive it to change yeah. because women will seek out services of natural or holistic health. And, and this is happening across the board. People are fleeing from regular medicine because they just don't want a prescription. Man, I love that. So you're saying like medicine has has been driven by market, unless we dilute ourselves, medicine has been driven by market forces for you know decades now. And if you want to change it, don't try and change it from the top down. Let the consumers lead the way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so people come to see me, not because I'm the hormone genius or because of their faith or anything, people come to see me because they don't want just the traditional type of medicine that says, oh, you have this symptom, I give you a pill for that. They want more than that. They want you to dig down. They want you to be a detective. They want you to solve the underlying problem. And what's so cool Mm -hmm. is that what Dr. Hilders did at Pope Paul VI in developing this alternative way of women's health, that's what it is. Yeah. It's finding the underlying root cause. So it's awesome to be able to practice that and and to satisfy people across the board and be able to live out my faith at the same time, to stay true to who I am. I mean, it's a miracle. It's a blessing every day. Teresa, how is supply and demand? So you're saying like, there's there's a demand. Women are waking up. They're desiring something natural. They don't want the artificial. They're fleeing. Is there a supply of practitioners who can help them in this new way, a holistic, uh, you know, a self-aware care for their bodies. Are there practitioners available? There are, but I would say that's something that like, 
when I go to sleep at night, you could say, I worry about. The fact that I will, in putting this out to thousands of people, which I know the Hormone Genius podcast is reaching, Mm -hmm. that there won't be the supply of people out there to meet the need or the desire in those women's heart to find someone that does what I do. Yeah. They're out there and we have, you know, places that we can send for lists of those people, but comparatively to other practitioners in medicine, it is scarce. Mm -hmm. And another just beautiful blessing about the podcast has been, I can't tell you how many emails that I have gotten that say, I am inspired deeply by what you have put out and I want to be involved. The same type of thing that want, you know, the passion in us that says, I want to, you know, Joan of Arc up and like, get out on the field, put me in coach. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what I'm hearing from these women. They're like, how can I get involved in this? Because it stirs them so strongly and deeply and passionately, because again, every woman's story is affected by their hormones. They really is that they want to be involved. So the good news is, is I feel like the podcast is going to generate more supply. Do you feel like you're riding like the crest of a, of like a cultural revolution that's beginning in women's health? A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like I, you know, at least in terms of the timing of this podcast was, it's not anything that I've done. It's, it is kind of like, it was a wave that was building mm-hmm. and it just, it needed, this needed to happen. There needs to be more of this, but it has been generating this natural movement. That's been part of it. But it's just more of a kind of distrust or um, unsatisfaction in, again, what's been offered to this point. Women are starting to wake up and be like, wait a second. I think of this one doctor who I really uh, appreciate all of her information, her scientific information. She often says, women do not thrive on birth control. They survive on birth control. Mm -hmm. So no woman like gets healthier on birth control pills. Right. Women only survive in that state. And I feel like women have survived long enough and they're like, I'm done just surviving. I want to thrive again. Yeah. Gosh, that's that's beautiful. Teresa, I wanna I wanna maybe go two ways here in, in the time that we have re- remaining. And, and they're related. One is where does someone who's listening to this, and I mean, and if you're listening to this, go check out the Hormone Genius podcast, but they're like, yeah, put me in. Like I want, like they want to be formed. They want to be prepared. They want to, they'd like to kind of join you in this. How do they, in that specific realm, how do they find out? How do they find out more? How do they get, get themselves prepared and formed? How do they supplement what they may already have as a professional education that they're feeling gaps in? Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question. And one of the guests that we had on our podcast was a great physician named Dr. Marguerite Duane. And she has started this great organization called FACTS. And her goal is to get out and train more healthcare providers to know how to understand the woman's cycle and maybe how to approach it in a more holistic way. Yeah, That's a great organization and a great place to start for anybody who's already medical, maybe a nurse, maybe they're in nurse practitioner or a physician assistant school, or that maybe they've been practicing as a physician a while, you know, they can, they can actually sign up for webinars and start to learn more, get more of the science under their belt. Good. Obviously like Dr. Hilgers and what he's done at the Pope Paul VI Institute, there's an entire very extensive education program around becoming a medical provider or consultant. We say in something called NAPRO technology, which mm-hmm. is practicing to treat the underlying root cause of disease in women's health. But there are a lot of 
people out there that just want to, again, maybe they don't have a medical background, they're just inspired and they just want to help women. And that's where we've got all of these different now charting systems like Marquette method and symptothermal method and Creighton model. You know, there's, there's more, there's FEM, there's Boston, there's all of these different methods that are popping up. And if you want to become a practitioner and help women, help them learn how to chart, help them learn how to know their cycle. And we need more instructors in that area. So becoming an instructor in a particular method that the Catholic church approves of, it would be amazing so that you can be there for other couples and women who want to learn this. Yeah. And you're saying you don't have to be a nurse or a doctor. You can go through a training. And if you're like, what's the timeline to get, to get certified, to be able to accompany someone through that? So it depends on what method it is for Creighton model. It's about six months to a year. I mean, you're, you're chart, you're helping chart or be a teacher already, but it takes about a year to get through the whole process. And for Creighton model, you do not have to have a medical degree. Marquette method, you do have to be a nurse. So there's different trainings sure, for varies. different methods. Yeah. yeah. So that's where there's a website called managingyourfertility.com that has a list of all of those different methods, where their teachers are, how to get more information about their science. We interviewed, her name was Bridget. I'm blanking on her last name, but managingyourfertility.com is a great resource. The USCCB has all of the different methods of natural family planning and all of their links to their national, you know, websites where people could get more information. Nice. Or, I mean, email me. I mean, if you're like, I don't know what to do, but I just want to do something, you know, that's something Jamie and I love to do is just help people discern a little bit where God might be calling them. Um, Cause we know how important that is. So Tristan, I'm hoping that this story, that what you've done can provide a little bit of an inspiration where those who are feeling a call, like, you know, so many of our listeners, we call it the equip cast because more and more people are feeling a tug. Like, oh gosh, I love the Lord, but he wants something from me. And when you walk out of church and you look at the posters in the back, you could get the mistaken impression that the only way you can serve the Lord is to bring communion to the sick or to volunteer to set up the festival or be on the finance committee or sing in the choir. And God bless all those things. But you have managed to integrate your profession and your faith in a beautiful way. And clearly women's health and medicine needed that, but so does architecture. So does construction management. So does every other profession. Speak to those who are maybe feeling that tug. They are a professional, not a medical professional, not women's health, but they're a professional and they're feeling a tug and a desire to integrate their faith in their profession. Could you just speak to them and offer a little bit of encouragement? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because in some ways, Jim, I feel so like, like it was so easy for me. Mm. In, in, so, in so many ways, I feel like God blessed me with just kind of rolling it all out so easily. So I feel a little bit kind of like, I know it's not as easy sometimes for other people to figure out what God wants you to do. And, and so I'd say that first, I know yeah. it's not always easy to know. Like, I, I do think people have a great desire in their heart to evangelize and to, to make a difference in the world. And sometimes in the chaos and noise of everything, it can be hard to figure out what it is that I am called to personally. Mm -hmm. But I would say, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be something outside of really just... I think about these women that I've met that just, they share, you know, just share personally with others. Like witness is so important. Like if you're in your personal conversations every day are sharing just like truth 
and it doesn't have to be religion per se. It's just, hey, I, I read this or, you know, and this really inspired me. And, you know, so just in conversations, you know, there is ways to evangelize. You know, it's hard. I don't know outside of like medicine, like should everybody just, we should all start podcasts because that seemed like a really easy thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Should everybody just start a podcast and we should like spread more beautiful truths in podcasts? Maybe if you feel called to it, use your voice. But there's certainly a thousand other ways that people could could reach out. And for me personally, I I'm inspired by wanting to, again, when I say cast the net, like I think about Jesus, like he didn't go around and like hold up a crucifix, right? Jesus didn't say, believe in this because, you know, I sacrificed my life. He just was with people and he was in their presence and he maybe told them stories that inspired them. So that's why I, what I love, what I do is like, it's like being Jesus and you bring people into faith, not by talking about faith necessarily. You, you bring them in by just inspiring them by who you are and what you can share with them. Yeah. And so I guess I feel like we need more of that. Just let's just be ourselves like, but just to be a witness to other people. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm, you know, the, the nerd in me is like, you know, the, the ancients used to talk about the transcendentals, right? The true, the good, the beautiful, and all of the professions, everybody. I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, temperament tests, this would be maybe a retirement project or something. It's like, I feel like you've got all these different, you know, working genius, temperaments, and, and all of those. I feel like in people's souls that, you know, the, the ancients who talked about, you know, the like unity and goodness and truth and beauty, that some people's souls are particularly attracted to one of those. Mm. You know, I mean, it's easy to like the truthies, right? The, the people who are like really attracted to truth, there's they're often really easy to spot. And praise God, I think they they often quickly find a home within the Catholic Church. In recent centuries, those who are attracted to beauty have maybe had a little bit harder time to access the church because you know the church is beautiful. But in recent decades, maybe the beauty hasn't been coming out. And, you know, and those who attracted to, to, to goodness, I would say, however you're made, if you are a practitioner of truth or goodness or beauty, whatever that kind of like that, that thing that has been a gateway for you, of which you are a practitioner, share that, share that mm -hmm. in conversation. I think that's, I think that's kind of like our simple action point. I mean, if you want to start a podcast, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the better, I think the better application is the truth, the goodness, the beauty that you have fallen in love with, whether it's as simple as, you know, like the way you cook or the way you like share that with someone this week in conversation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And let the Lord do the rest. Yeah, that's great. And men, I, I really, this is like my call to for men to listen to the Hormone Genius. I promise I will do more like men kind of relatable things on my podcast. That is my goal this season uh, is to get, you know, maybe some guys on. Maybe we'll talk about how men and women relate more. So that, there is a place that for you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was really, I think I listened to episode 26 uh, where the two of you shared your stories, which I, I found inspiring and beautiful. And uh, it's an engaging podcast, even for dudes, especially mm -hmm. if you can work some guys in. So, yeah. <laughs> Teresa, where do people go if they want to, if they want to find, if they want to connect with you and say, Teresa, tell me what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. How do they connect with you? Yeah. So they can get, they can email me at hormonegenius at gmail.com. 
If you want to personally connect with me, you can reach out to me on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. So if you like to see my face and Jamie as well, instead of actually just listen, we actually put all of our podcasts on YouTube. And so you're able to see us and enjoy our guests that way as well. Yeah. So our website is is www.hormonegenius.com. Like I said, just reach out and we're so happy people again are inspired by it. And I hope to be doing it for a lot more years. That's for sure. That's fantastic. Thank you for what you do. Thanks to the the family too. I know they're they're behind you in, in this. So beautiful stuff. Thanks. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on today too. Oh, I love it. It was a joy. Everybody, if you enjoyed today's episode and you know someone um, who needs to hear this, um, you know how to do it. Share it out with a friend. Take a moment, just hit send. And you're like, hey, you need to listen to this one. I think you're going to like it. And if not, let's get a cup of coffee and talk about it. So thanks for being with us, everybody. And God bless.